0: One spade. Double.
1: Two no trumps. Double.
0: No bid. Four spades.
2: Superintendent, could you come here a moment? What's the matter? Is he asleep? I'm afraid he's dead. Take a look for yourself. The fellow's been stabbed.
3: It was one of the most interesting cases I have ever come across. There was nothing you see to go on. There were four people, one of whom must have committed the crime. But which of them? The whole extraordinary business began at an exhibition of snuff boxes at Wessex House, admission One Guinea in aid of the London
4: Hospitals. My dear Monsieur Poirot. My dear Chaitana. That little Louis Say's box is quite exquisite. So unfortunate that its owner lost his head to the guillotine.
3: Mr. Shaitana deliberately cultivated a mephistophelian effect. His eyebrows were heavily accented and jet black. He wore a moustache with stiffly waxed ends, perhaps the only moustache in London that could compete with my
4: own, and a tiny black imperial... But why did you not come to my party last week? You really should not have missed it. It was a quite remarkable evening. Quite a few people actually spoke to me. Mm -hmm. One woman even said, how do you do, and goodbye, and thank you so much. It was evidently an occasion to remember. (laughs) But I see that you have lent three of your own snap boxes to the exhibition. Oh, one picks up trifles here and there. You really must come to my apartment one day, Monsieur Poirot. I have some very intriguing pieces. I could even show you a few objects in your own line. Oh, you have then a private... Black Museum? You mean the shoes of one of the victims of the Brighton murder or the spectacles of Dr. Crippen? (laughs) I should never burden myself with rubbish like that. I collect only the best objects of their kind. And what do you consider are the best objects in the field of crime? I collect only the human beings who commit the crimes. And I collect only the best. The best being... My dear fellow, the ones who have got away with it. (laughs) The criminals whom no breath of suspicion has ever touched. Why don't I give a little dinner so that you can meet my exhibits? It will take time to organize, of course. Let us say the week after next. On what evening would you be free? Any evening of that week would suit me. Ah, Then we will say Friday the 18th. Really, the whole idea pleases me enormously. Mm, I'm not sure that it pleases me. It shocks your bourgeois sensibilities? My dear fellow, you must free yourself from the limitations of the policeman mentality.
3: Mm. It is true that I have a thoroughly bourgeois attitude to murder.
4: (laughs) But why? Murder can be an art. A murderer can be an artist. But he is still a murderer, Monsieur Chaitana. And yet, if he does such a
3: thing supremely well. Oh, I am not so insensitive to art in crime as you think. I can admire the perfect murderer. I can also admire a tiger, but I would admire him from outside his cage. I will not go inside, not unless it is my duty to do so. For you see, Monsieur Shaitana, the tiger might
4: spring, and the murderer might. Murder. (laughs) What an alarmist you are, Monsieur Poirot. Uh, Then you will not come to meet my collection of tigers. Oh, on the contrary. I shall be enchanted. (laughs) Excellent. I shall go ahead with my preparations for the 18th at 8 o'clock. Do not forget. Monsieur Hercule Poirot. The first
3: of Shaitana's guests were already there when I arrived, but they were hardly the collection of criminals I had been anticipating.
4: I believe you are already acquainted with Mrs. Ariadne Oliver, uh, the Queen of Crime, as the reviewers call her. Of
5: course I know, Monsieur Poirot. He helped me track down the killer at a Halloween party. (laughs) Good evening, madame. And are you still addicted to the apples? I thought that experience would put me off them for life, but now I'm as bad as ever. <laughs> I simply can't resist them.
4: And doubtless you know, Superintendent Battle.
6: Well, I certainly know, Monsieur Poirot, although I've never actually had the privilege of working on a case with him. Good evening, Monsieur Poirot.
3: Good evening, Superintendent. And the Colonel Race? <laughs> and Poirot and I are old comrades in arms. <laughs> Fighting our own little battle of the night. <laughs> How are you, Borrow?
4: In excellent health, Colonel. My other guests are due to arrive at 8:15. Uh, any moment now, in fact.
1: Dr. Roberts! Oh, not late, I hope. On the dot, Doctor. <laughs> Doesn't do to keep the patients waiting. So this is the first of our tigers. <laughs>
3: Small twinkling eyes, a tendency to embonpoint,
1: and a general air of a well scrubbed and disinfected medical practitioner. I've heard you're one of the big noises at Scotland Yard, Superintendent. I apologise in advance for making you talk shop, but I shall certainly give it a try. <laughs> Mrs Lorimer. Good evening, Mr Shaitana. More like
3: the principal of a college than a successful murderer... Finely cut features, exceptionally well-dressed.
7: I'm afraid I had a perfect idiot of a taxi driver. It got hopelessly lost trying to cut across from the embankment. Major
3: Despard. Tall and handsome, with a slight scar on his temple. Looks as though he would be more at home on safari.
8: Colonel Race, a man I've always longed to meet. Really? Heard so much about you when I was in the Sudan.
3: Miss Meredith.
0: Oh, dear. Am I the last?
3: Rather pretty, and no makeup, but very nervous.
0: I know all about you, Monsieur Poirot. It was you who really solved the ABC murders.
3: Oh, you cover me with confusion, mademoiselle.
5: You can't get away from a woman's instinct, Doctor. We know these <laughs> things. Is that
0: Ariadne Oliver, the novelist? That is she. The one who wrote the body in the library?
5: The
3: identical one. Oh,
0: and that wooden-looking man. Did Mr. Shaitana say he was a superintendent?
3: From Scotland Yard.
0: Mr. Shaitana is rather...
3: A crime-minded, perhaps? <laughs> he is already, as you say, aching on Mrs. Oliver and Dr. Roberts. They are discussing untraceable poisons.
0: Something rather frightening about Mr. Shaitana. Mm. You never know what would strike him as amusing. I don't think I like him very much. No, you will
3: like his dinner, though. He has a most ingenious cook.
0: <laughs> Why, I believe you are really quite human, Monsieur Poirot.
3: Dinner was, as I had predicted... Excellent. Dr. Roberts was relentlessly
1: facetious. You're not going to be allowed to monopolize the only pretty girl all evening. <laughs> you French fellows, don't waste your time, do you? I happen to be Belgian. Same
3: thing where the ladies are concerned, expect? I expect. Mrs Lorimer talked to me in a well-informed way of books and the theatre. Colonel Race and Major Despard discussed sleeping sickness in South America and Ariadne Oliver continued to hold forth on the subject of poisons
6: to Superintendent battle. In real life, people don't bother about being too subtle, Mrs Oliver. They usually stick to arsenic because it's nice and handy to get hold of.
5: Nonsense. <laughs> Simply because there are lots of crimes you people at Scotland Yard never find out. Now, if you had a woman there? As a matter of fact, we have. Oh, don't talk to me about those dreadful policewomen in funny hats who bother people in parks. I mean a woman at the head of things. Women know about crime.
4: Poison is a woman's weapon. There must be many successful women poisoners who are never found out. Of course, a doctor, too, has his opportunities. Nonsense. When we poison our patients, it's entirely by accident. (laughs) But if I were to commit a crime, I should make it very simple, I think. It would look like an accident. A shooting accident, perhaps, or a purely domestic one. (laughs) But who am I to pronounce with so many experts present?
5: An angel passing... What was that? It's what one says when a sudden silence falls. Though in this case, I fear it may be an angel of darkness.
3: When we returned to the drawing room after dinner, a bridge table had been set out.
7: Ah, oh, thank goodness for that. I'm one of the worst bridge fiends that ever lived. I simply will not go out to dinner now if there's no bridge
3: afterwards. They cut for partners. Mrs Lorimer was partnered with
1: Anne Meredith against Major Despard and Dr Roberts. Women against men? (laughs) They haven't got a hope, poor dears. (laughs) Your deal, I think, Mrs Lorimer.
3: The rest of us were led by Mr Chaitana to a small smoking room where a second bridge table was set
4: ready. Ah, we'll have to cut out. Uh, No, Colonel, I do not play. Bridge is not one of the games that amuse me. I shall go back into the drawing room and sit in my chair by the fire. It gives me great pleasure, my little dinner party.
7: One no
1: trumps. Three hearts.
0: No bid.
2: Four hearts. Five diamonds. Game and robber. Good for you, partner. I didn't think you'd do
3: it. Oh, I have the little moments, mon coronel. It's uh, ten past twelve.
2: Time
6: for another? You must excuse me, but I'm by way of being an early-to-bed man. I, too.
2: Then we'd better find our host and say night.
5: I suppose he's still in his chair in the drawing room. He probably slept through it all.
0: One spade.
2: You've got to be going now, Shaitana.
0: Double.
2: Shaitana. Superintendent.
1: Two, no trouble.
2: Could you come over here a moment? Oh, what's the matter? Double. Is he asleep? I'm afraid he's dead. Take a look for yourself. No bed. The fellow's been stabbed. Four spades. Le pauvre diable. Good God. Um, uh, just a minute, uh,
6: just a minute, please. I'm sorry to have to tell you all that Mr. Shaitana is dead. Oh. What? Are you sure? Let me take a look. Yeah, stand away, Doctor, if you please. Well, it may just be a fainting it, fit. It isn't a fainting fit. And nobody's to touch him until the divisional surgeon gets here. Mr. Shaitana has been murdered. Murdered? Stabbed. That's the way of it. Good God. I must ask you all to go into the room next door. Of course, Superintendent. I'll get on to the local police. Colonel Race i'd be grateful if you'd go and keep an eye on our friends i don't want any of them making a crafty getaway
5: oh it's just too preposterous for words if i put something like this into one of my stories i'd be the laughing stock of every crime writer in the business the murderer was really taking a desperate chance mr shaitana might have cried out but he did not the murderer has lack held. Any idea as to
3: possible motive. Did not Mr. Shaitana give any hint of what kind of guest he had invited to his party? Ooh. Not at all. Uh, why? Oh, ah, I think that is your people arriving. I will wait until you have spoken with them and Colonel Rice has rejoined us. Oh, it is to say the least of it a very strange situation. You mean to tell me that each of the people in the other room is a murderer? A successful murderer who has got away with it
2: you're sure shaitana wasn't pulling your leg for it. oh
3: no no he meant it he was a man of great vanity he was also very
5: stupid and that is why he is dead four sleuths so to speak And four criminals. It's just not possible. None of those people can be murderers. Well, why not?
6: Murderers look very much like everybody else. Nice, quiet,
5: well-behaved, respectable folk very often. In that case, it can only be Dr Roberts. I felt instinctively there was something wrong with that man the moment I set eyes on him. My instincts never lie.
2: But Chakitana could only have suspected that these people were murderers. I mean, he could have been sure. Though no, you were certainly right in the case of one of them, or he'd still be alive to tell the tale. Somebody got the wind up. I think that's what it was, Monsieur Bordeaux. Mr. Chaytana
3: had a dangerous sense of humor. Whoever killed him must have thought that Chaitana was playing a game of cat and mouse, leading up to the point when the murderer would be revealed and handed over to the police. Oh, well, we'd better have them in. Won't do to keep them
6: hanging about too long. I imagine you'd like us to go, Battle. Oh, no, no, not at all. As far
5: as I'm concerned, you can all stay. Oh, thank you, Superintendent. I've never been present at a real murder investigation before. I shall be able to pick up a few tips. But no interruptions, please. And there mustn't be a word of what Monsieur Poirot has told us
6: about the reason for this little party. Understood? And so, one by
3: one, the four suspects were questioned by the good superintendent while the three of us sat as silent observers. Dr. Robert's brisk
1: bedside manner was now a little subdued. It must have taken some nerve to stab a man with three other people only a few yards away. I wouldn't like to have done it. What can I say to convince you I didn't? Well, there's motive, Dr. Roberts. <laughs> that certainly lets me out. I haven't the shadow of a motive for doing away with poor Shahatana. Mrs. Lorrimer was pale but composed. It
7: is a very unpleasant situation in which to be placed, but there it is. I quite realize that one of the four of us in that room must be guilty. Naturally, I can't expect you to take my word that I was not
3: that person. It seemed that neither the doctor nor Mrs. Lorimer had known Mr. Shaitana at all well. The doctor had been to two of his parties. He amused me. He was such a fantastic fellow. Mrs. Lorimer had met him briefly in Egypt at the Winter
7: Palace in Luxor. I thought the man of charlatan was a. Uh, he rather irritated me.
6: You had, excuse me for asking, no motive for wishing him out of the way. <laughs>
7: Really,
3: a superintendent, do you think I should admit it if I had? Meticulously, a little unimaginatively perhaps, the superintendent's questions followed a set routine.
1: Now, Doctor, can you tell me how often you left your seat at the bridge table? Ah, as far as I can remember, I got up three times on the three occasions when I was dummy. I made myself useful. Put wood on the fire, brought drinks for the ladies and helped myself for a whiskey and soda. Uh, the drinks table was beyond Mr. Shaitana's chair? Yes, I passed quite near him three times. And? I supposed he was asleep, but I didn't look closely at him.
3: And the same question was put to Mrs. Lorimer.
7: I thought you'd probably ask me that. I got up once when I was dummy. I went over to the fireplace where Mr. Shaitana was sitting and... I told him how nice it was to see the glowing wood.
6: And he answered? That he hated radiators. <laughs> Did anyone overhear your conversation? I don't think so.
7: I lowered my voice so as not to distract the players. At what time was that? I should think we'd been playing a little over
3: an hour. At this point in his routine, Battle produced the murder weapon. A long, thin stiletto with a small, jewelled head.
1: Ah, absolutely made for murder. Going like butter. Brought it with him, I suppose. Uh, no, it belonged to Mr. Chaitana.
6: It was out on display with a good many other knick-knacks. So the murderer helped himself.
1: <laughs> a bit of luck finding something like that. Well, that's one way of looking at it.
3: When the stiletto was produced for the benefit of Mrs. Lorimer,
6: she took it without the least emotion. You realise, with an instrument like that, a woman could do the trick just as easily as a man? I suppose she could. But all the same, the woman would have to be pretty desperate. It was a
3: long shot to take. The superintendent's last question was perhaps a little
6: unorthodox. I'd like your personal opinion,
1: Doctor. Which of the three do you yourself fancy as the murderer? That's easy. Despard. The man's got plenty of nerve. Is used to the kind of life where you've got to act
5: quickly.
7: I consider that a most improper question, Superintendent.
3: And I'm astonished that you should have the temerity to ask it. At the end of each interview, Battle most graciously asked me if I had a question to put.
1: I confine myself to inquiries regarding the game of bridge. Uh, Mrs Lorimer's first class. Despard is a sound player... Miss Meredith plays safe. She doesn't make mistakes, but she isn't brilliant. And you yourself, Doctor? <laughs> I overcall my hand a bit, or so they say. But I've always found it pays. I have no objection to answering your question,
7: Monsieur Poirot, if it bears on the issue in any way, though I fail to see how it
3: can. I will be the judge of that. Your answer, if you please, Madame. All right. Major Despard is a good reliable player.
7: Dr Roberts overcalls but plays his hand brilliantly. Miss Meredith is perhaps a little too cautious.
3: Now I have the bridge scores here is uh, one of them yours. Uh, uh, yes,
7: yes that is my writing. It's the score of the third rubber. Mm-hmm. And this one uh, Major Despard's and
3: that's Miss Meredith's the first rubber. So this unfinished one is Dr Roberts' Yes. Ah. Thank you, madame. That is all I wanted to know. What do you find so interesting in those bridge scores? They are a clue to character. Here is the first rubber, you see? A tame business, soon over. And the small, neat figures are typical of Miss
2: Meredith. And Despard cancels as he goes. He clearly likes to know exactly how things stand.
5: And what do you deduce from Mrs Lorimer's card? The third rubber must have been quite a numeric conflict. Figures mounting up above the line each side. And the handwriting
3: is very characteristic, is it not? Graceful, firm, legible. And Dr Roberts is characteristically flamboyant. You see, it is a way of getting to understand our four suspects. And when the questions are only about
6: bridge, they answer freely. We all have our own ways of working, of course. Shall we continue?
0: It's so awful to think that one of us... One of us... You
6: live out of town,
0: I believe. (sighs) Yes, that's right. In Wallingford. I share a cottage with a girl called Rhoda Dawes.
6: And how long had you known Mr. Shaitana?
0: About nine months. I met him in Switzerland during the winter sports. And then, after that, he asked me to parties. They were rather fun.
6: And was Mr. Shaitana fun, too?
0: Oh, no. I thought he was a shivery kind of man. He frightened me.
6: But you'd no special reason for being afraid of him. Oh, no. Now, tell me about tonight... Did you leave your seat at all?
0: I don't think so. Oh, yes, I did once. I was dummy, and I went round to look at the other's hands.
6: And you stayed by the bridge table the whole time? Yes. You're sure of that?
0: I may have walked about.
6: Did you walk about in the direction of Mr Shaitanya? I'm
0: sorry, I don't remember.
6: Well, we'll leave it at that. Now, tell me, which of the other three do you think is most likely to
0: have done it? I can't believe that any of them were... It couldn't be Major Despard. And a doctor could kill someone in much easier ways.
6: So, if it's anyone, it's Mrs Lorimer.
0: Oh, no, I'm sure she couldn't have done it. She's so charming and so kind as a bridge partner. And
6: yet you left her name till last.
0: Well, only because stabbing seems somehow more like a woman.
6: With something like this.
0: Is that what killed him? It's such a tiny thing.
6: A child could do it.
0: You mean that I could have done it? But why should I? Well,
6: why should anyone? He wasn't blackmailing anyone, as far as I know. In any way, you don't look like the kind of girl who's got a lot of guilty secrets. No, I haven't got any secrets at all. Then don't you worry, Miss Meredith. We shall have to come round and ask you a few more questions, I expect. But it'll be simply a matter of routine.
0: Yes, I understand.
6: So off you go. My constable will get you a taxi. And don't you lie awake
2: worrying yourself.
0: Thank you, Superintendent. Good night.
2: What a clever old fraud you are, Battle. She was really taken in by your fatherly manner.
6: (laughs) No point playing about with a girl.
2: Either the poor kid
6: is dead scared, in which case it would be cruel to push her further, or she's a highly accomplished little actress, and we shouldn't get any further with her if we were to keep her here half the night.
5: But you know, I'm beginning to think that she did it. Lucky it's not in a book. They don't really like the idea of a young and beautiful girl committing a murder. All the same, I rather suspect she did. Let's have a word with the Major.
8: I first met Shaitana at a dinner party about a month ago. He asked me up here for cocktails a week later. And did you happen to notice this little thing lying about? Is that the murder weapon? Yes. Well, I didn't mark it down for future use.
6: Well, there's no need to go ahead of what I say, Major. Had you any motive for disliking Mr Shaitana? every motive really for disliking him not for killing him did you know anything to his discredit
8: (sighs) he was too well dressed he wore his hair too long he
6: smelt of scent yet you accepted his invitation to dinner here tonight (laughs) if i were only to
8: dine in houses where i thoroughly approved of my host i'm afraid i shouldn't dine out very much do you have any theory as to who killed mr shartana well i know i didn't little miss meredith didn't Mrs. Lorimer reminds me of one of my more God fearing aunts. Uh, that only leaves the medical gentleman. I'll ask you Monsieur Poirot's question. What did you think of the others as bridge players? Miss Meredith's quite good. Roberts overcalls disgracefully. Mrs. Lorimer's damn good. Does that answer your question, Monsieur Poirot? Very clearly. Thank you, Major.
5: So, which of them did it? My money's still on the doctor the girl.
2: I don't think the speculation is going to lead anywhere. What we need to do is to find out more about these people. Listen,
5: I have an idea. There are four of us and there are four of them. How would it be if we each took one back to our fancy? I'm
6: afraid that's not possible, Mrs. Oliver. This is an official matter after all. I'm in charge. I have to investigate all lines. But surely you don't mind my doing a little investigation on my own, do you? It's not in my power to prevent you. Having been at the party tonight, you are naturally free to do anything your curiosity suggests.
5: Good. I presume that anything we discover will be pooled. Oh,
2: naturally. All information must be handed over to the superintendent. I'm sure you'll play fair, Mrs Oliver. The stained glove, (laughs) the fingerprints on the tooth glass. You
5: may (laughs) laugh, Colonel, but a woman's
6: intuition. So what's your idea of the right line to take, Poirot? There is only one course to follow.
3: We must go back into the past. Shaitana was certain that each of these four people had committed murder. Had he evidence, or was it
6: uh, simply a guess? There's only one way to find out. We must investigate their records and note any deaths that may be significant. Mr Shaitana himself gave
2: some pretty broad hints at dinner. I shouldn't be surprised if he signed his death warrant by doing that. There was a very nasty pause afterwards. The angel of darkness. The devil of it is, even if we do get to the truth, it may not help us. If somebody pushed their great aunt down the stairs in 1912, it won't be of much use to us in this year of grace, 1937. Ah, but it may well be of use. There is a
3: hallmark to every crime. The details may be different, but the underlying principles are invariably the same man is a lamentably unoriginal animal
5: women are capable of infinite variation i should never commit the same type of crime twice running oh,
3: you mean you've never repeated one of your plots a lotus madame the clue of the candle wax. Yes,
5: well, that really is very clever of you, because they are both based on the same idea. Hmm.
3: The cabinet minister who arranges the theft of his own papers, the rubber planter who fakes his own murder.
5: I don't think Mr. Shaitana was really a very nice man. No, he
3: was not nice, no, but he was alive, and now he is dead. As I told him, I have a very bourgeois attitude to murder. I disapprove of it. And so...
2: I am prepared to go into the tiger's cage. Let's hope his claws don't prove too sharp for you. I shall confine myself to checking up on Major Despard. I fancy I may be able to find out something about his career. And what about
5: you, Superintendent? May we know where you propose to start your journey into the past? Oh, I shall
6: take a look at your first choice, Mrs Oliver.
5: There may be something in Dr Roberts's papers
6: that could possibly provide me with a lead. So you found nothing? Nothing in the least suspicious. Of course, he'd had ample time to remove anything he didn't want me to see.
1: Here are my keys. That's the drawers of the desk. That's the bureau. That little one's the key of the poison cupboard. (laughs) Be sure you lock it up again.
6: I also checked his bank account. No large sums suddenly paid in. No legacies from any of his patients? I did manage to get his secretary to talk a little. Mm -hmm. There's a hint of scandal involving one of his patients, uh, Mrs. Craddock. She died out in Egypt of some local disease. And what about her husband? He died round about the same time. I'm looking into it, but it's all conjecture. I haven't got a leg to stand on. Ah, courage, my friend. I know your patience.
3: In the end... You would have as many legs as a centipede.
6: <laughs> so what about you? Are you going to take a hand in this? Mm, I thought
3: I might call on Dr. Roberts.
6: Two of us in one day. That ought to put the wind
3: up him. Oh, I shall be very discreet. I shall talk a little about the bridge
1: that you saw. My dear Monsieur Poirot, how can I possibly remember the calling or how each hand went? Uh, First there was the murder, enough to drive the most spectacular hands out of one's mind. And in addition, I've played at least a dozen rubbers since then. Oh, it is of no importance. I hoped you
3: might remember one or two at least of the hands. You might have noticed, for instance, that your
1: partner made a mess of playing a perfectly simple three no trumps. Ah, now I see what you're driving at. You mean that the murder might have made some difference in the guilty party's play. Exactly. Do you recall any sudden glaring uh, mishaps? Well, uh, oh, it's no good. I simply can't remember. Uh, Mrs. Lorimer never made a slip. Despard's play was uniformly good, too. Uh, uh, Miss Meredith. Yes, she did make mistakes once or twice towards the end of the evening, but that may have been because she was tired. Her hand shook, too. When did her hand shake? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, Monsieur Poirot, you're making me imagine things. I apologise. Um, there is another point on which I seek your help.
3: Could you be so kind as to describe to me the contents of the
1: room in which you played? Oh, my dear fellow, I simply don't know where to begin. I'll begin anywhere you choose. Uh, one large settee upholstered in ivory brocade, one ditto in green ditto, eight or nine Persian rugs, set of 12 small gilt empire chairs. William and Mary bureau. I feel just like an auctioneer's clerk. <laughs> Grand piano. Six first-class Japanese prints. Five or six beautiful snuff boxes. Some Japanese ivory netskis on a table by themselves. One or two pieces of Battersea enamel. Uh, that's all I can think of for the minute. Bravo! You have the true observer's eye. <laughs> have I included the object you had in mind?
3: Hmm. That is what I find so interesting. If you had mentioned it, I would have been extremely surprised. As I thought, you could not mention it. Why? Perhaps because it was not there to mention. Each side went down in turn. Uh, Dr.
7: Roberts overcalled, but though he went down badly once or twice, his calling paid, for on two occasions he frightened Miss Meredith out of bidding her and... And then he bid an original two spades, I gave him three diamonds, he bid four no trumps, I bid five spades, and then he suddenly jumped to seven diamonds. Well, we were doubled, of course. He had no business to make such a call. And by kind of miracle, we got it. If the others had led a heart, we'd have been three tricks down.
3: Madame, I congratulate you. Your memory of cards is magnificent. And
7: yet when you asked me to describe the objects in
3: the room, I could hardly recall a thing. Ah, but that is because nothing there aroused your interest. And yet, madame, I should imagine that your memory of the past is perfect. Hmm? Every incident clear as yesterday. Is that not so? Well,
7: I'm afraid I have... No time to talk longer, Monsieur Poirot. I have a bridge party. I must not be late.
3: No, I apologize for trespassing on your time, madame. I'm sorry, I've not been able to help you more. Ah, but you have helped me. You have told me something I wanted to know. A thousand thanks for your amiability. I will not come again unless you send for me. But why on earth should I send for you? You might. It is just an idea. If so, I will come remember that
5: excuse me but would this be Wendon cottage by any chance yes it is ah and uh, is miss Meredith at home I am mrs. Oliver mrs. Oliver Ariadne Oliver yes that's right who
0: is it Rhoda oh mrs. Oliver
5: I hope I haven't called at an inconvenient time oh no
0: of course not Uh, This is my friend, Rhoda Dawes. She lives with me here.
5: How do you do, Miss Dawes? How do you do?
0: Why don't you come round into the garden? We'll have some tea.
5: Tea can wait. There's something I have to talk to you about. It
9: must be something terribly important to have brought you all the way down here, Mrs
5: Oliver. I won't beat about the bush. It's about the murder of Mr Shaitana. We've got to get busy and do something. Do something? I haven't the least doubt who did it. Dr Roberts...
9: But what we have to do is prove it. But how can we possibly do that? Don't be so defeatist, Anne. (sighs) She's been terribly broken up about this business, Mrs. Oliver. I'm sure she
5: has. And that is why we have to act decisively. We don't want people to think that she did it. Why should they? You know what people are. The ones who didn't do it will come in for just as much suspicion as the one who did. But let me explain my theory. Suppose Shaitana said he knew some secret in Dr. Roberts' past. Perhaps you didn't notice, my dear, but Shaitana said something rather peculiar at dinner.
0: I don't think I remember. What did he say? Something about, uh, what exactly was it?
5: Something about an accident and poison. You see, what probably happened was that one of the doctor's patients died of poisoning and everybody said it was an accident,
0: but really it was the doctor's own doing. Look, Mrs. Oliver, I'm sure you're trying to be very kind. But I don't want to have anything to do with whatever it is you're trying to prove. But, Anne, you're not giving Mrs. Oliver a chance. I don't want to think about it or be reminded of it. I dare say I'm a coward, but that's how I feel.
9: But, Anne, Mrs. Oliver has a point. We don't want people to
0: think you did it. Nobody that knows me would ever think I'd done it. I don't see any reason for interfering. It's the business of the police to get at the truth. It looks
9: as if we're going to have another visitor to him one day. It's quite a record for us. It's Major Despard. What on earth can he want? Major Despard? Oh, uh,
5: I don't want to run into him just at the moment. I'll leave through the side gate, if I may. I
8: hope you don't mind my butting in like this.
0: How did you get my address?
8: From Superintendent Battle. He's on his way over here. I happened to run into him in Paddington and I thought I'd drive down here straight away. I knew I could beat him easily by car. But
9: why did you want to do that?
8: I may have been presumptuous, but I had the impression that Miss Meredith was, um, well, all alone in the world.
9: You were wrong. As you see, she's got me.
8: And I'm sure she couldn't have a more devoted friend. But it occurred to me that a degree of worldly wisdom might not come amiss.
9: What exactly do you mean by that?
8: (sighs) Well, look at it this way. Miss Meredith is under suspicion of having committed murder. The same applies to me and to the other two people who were playing bridge in that room with Shaitana. Such a situation is not agreeable, and it has dangers, which someone as young and inexperienced as you are, Miss Meredith might not recognise. In my opinion, you ought to put yourself in the hands of a top-rate solicitor, but perhaps you've already done so.
0: I never even thought
9: of it. Do you have anyone? Well, there's Mr. Berry, but he's about 102 and quite
8: garker. If you'll allow me to advise you, I recommend you go to Peel and Jacobs, my own solicitors. I could introduce you, if you wish.
0: Is it really necessary?
8: Most emphatically, There
9: are all sorts of legal pitfalls.
0: Very well, I'll do it. Good. I think it's awfully nice of you,
9: Major Despard. Really frightfully nice.
0: Did you say Superintendent Battle was coming here?
9: Yes,
8: but you mustn't be alarmed by that.
0: Oh, I know. I've been expecting him. Poor darling. it's nearly killing
9: her, this beastly business. Yes, well, I'd uh, better be off before he arrives. It would only make him suspicious
8: if he found me here. I'll make all the arrangements with my solicitors.
0: You've been very kind coming out here, and I'm not worried about the superintendent. He can ask me anything he likes. I've nothing to hide.
6: Well, you seem to have led a thoroughly blameless life, Miss Meredith. Let me just make sure I've got the main facts. After your father died, you were all alone in the world and you got a job as a kind of a nursery governess to a Mrs Eldon.
0: Yes, at Ventnor on the Isle of Wight.
6: This was the woman who you said was so hopelessly (laughs) absent-minded.
0: Totally scatty. But I stuck it out till she and her family went out to Palestine. She's still there. I get postcards from her.
6: Yeah, and after that, you went to her, Mrs Deering as a companion.
9: I think you said she was your aunt, Miss Dawes. That's right. Yes. She was a gardening fanatic. Poor Anne spent most of her time weeding. <laughs> and you stayed with her for... For three years, uh,
0: until she got cancer.
9: And
6: where was this?
0: At Little Hembury in Devon.
6: And now, about this trip to Switzerland, uh, where you met Mr Chaitana, uh, did you go there by yourself or was Miss Dawes with you?
9: We went out there together. And how did you come to meet Mr. Shaitano? Well, he was just there. We knew him the way you do know people staying in the same hotel. Oh, he got first prize in the fancy dress ball. He went as Mephistopheles. <laughs> he hardly needed any makeup at all.
6: And <laughs> <laughs> uh, which of you two ladies knew him best?
9: Both the same to begin with, but then he seemed to take rather a fancy to Anne. Oh. I'm sure he only did it to annoy me.
0: It amused him to make me feel embarrassed.
6: Well, you didn't ask you to marry him or. Pester you with his attention? Oh,
9: he didn't try to seduce her, if that's what you mean.
0: In fact, he was always very polite and very formal.
6: (laughs) Not quite the lady killer I'd expected. (laughs) Well, I think that's covered everything. Have a pleasant evening, ladies, and uh, thanks for the coffee.
9: He wasn't in the least threatening. Quite fatherly, really. It was silly of me to get so apprehensive about it. He knows you're not the murdering kind. (laughs) It was all quite easy, really. You, uh
0: didn't mention being at Coomaker. Did you forget? Uh, I didn't think it counted. I was only there for a few months, and there's no-one to ask about me there. Let's leave it.
3: It is a good view of London, is it not, that one gets from the top of a London omnibus? <laughs> Monsieur Mr Poirot! I didn't realise you were sitting there. Very odd, running into you like this. Uh... Vous permettez? Oh, yes, of course. Mm. We have not met since that evening at Mr. Chaitana's. Are you taking a hand in that business? Mm, I reflect a great deal. To run to and fro, to make the investigation. No, that does not suit my temperament or my figure. But you must have been put out to find the murder committed under your very nose. My amour propre was a little offended, I must admit. But tell me, Major, you have, I think, the very quick and accurate eye. I never forget a face, certainly. I have asked both Dr. Roberts and Mrs. Lorimer this question. Cast your mind back to the room in which you played cards and give me a description of the objects in
2: it.
8: Well, I'm not much of a hand at that kind of thing. It it was a rotten sort of room. Not a man's room at all. A, A lot of brocade and silk and stuff
3: mm, but
8: too particular no, uh, he'd got some good rugs uh, two Bokkaras and three or four really fine Persian ones any amount of knick-knacks lying about uh, tables were thick with them
3: do you remember anything especially yeah. anything I remember was a rather jolly idol Easter Island I think it was beyond that I can't help you hmm ah, no matter do you know mrs. Lorimer has the most amazing card memory she could tell me the bidding and play of every hand. Well, I suppose she plays pretty well all day long. You do not have that kind of memory? I just remember a
8: couple of hands. Uh, one where I could have got game and diamonds and uh, Dr. Roberts bluffed me out of it. And I remember a no-trumper, too. Tricky
3: business. Every card wrong. I do not think that Shaitana played any game. Or any card game, that is. There's only one game that Shaitana played. And what was that? A low down game huh you mean he, she was a
8: blackmailer in a way he had a very clever understanding of women he'd only got a hint that he knew something about them and they start telling him a lot of things that perhaps he didn't know oh, the man was a mountain bag nothing really dangerous about him and yet women were afraid of him ridiculously so
6: I thought it was about time that the four of us got together for a progress meeting. Uh, Colonel Rice rang to say that he yeah, deba- Sorry, I'm
2: late, Battlewell. Yeah. How do you do, Mrs Oliver? Yeah. Uh, hello, Poirot. You? you got uh, anything for us, uh, Colonel? Yeah, I've got some information about Major Despard. I will find nothing against him. Record completely unblemished. Liked and trusted by the natives everywhere. In Africa, they call him the man who keeps his mouth shut and judges fairly. Any unusual deaths connected with him? Well, oh, there's one incident that might possibly suit your book. Trip into the interior of South America with Professor Luxmore, the botanist, and his wife. The professor died of fever and was buried somewhere up the Amazon. Fever? Oh, that was the official report, but I'll play fair with you. One of the native bearers, who was sacked for thieving, incidentally, had a story that the professor was shot. The rumour was never taken seriously. About time it was, perhaps. I've given you the facts, but I'll lay long odds against it being Despard who did the dirty work the other evening. Where's Luxmore's widow, do you know? She lives in London. Ah. You'll find her address in there.
6: I'll look her up. We can't afford to take anything for granted.
5: Now, Superintendent, aren't you going to tell us what you've been doing? Well, this is all very irregular, Mrs Oliver. I hope you realise that. Nonsense. I don't suppose for a moment you'll tell us anything you don't want to. Uh, No, no.
6: Cards on the table. That's the agreement, and I intend to play fair. Tell us. As far as the actual murder of Mr Shaitana goes, I'm not a penny the wiser. As far as crimes committed in the past, I may have a line on one of our suspects. Ah, Which one? Dr. Roberts. What did I tell you? You remember I told you, Poirot, that there was some talk of a scandal involving one of his lady patients? Uh, Mrs. Craddock, I think you said. Apparently, her husband got wind of what was going on and threatened to report Roberts to the General Medical Council. What happened? He died, very conveniently, of a most unlikely disease. A cattle complaint, in fact. But at the time, there was rather a scare about the hair and cheap shaving brushes. Craddock's own shaving brush was proved to be the cause of the infection. You are suggesting that the doctor may have infected the brush himself? That's the general idea. But it's pure conjecture. Nothing to go on.
5: And did he marry Mrs Craddock afterwards?
6: Oh, dear, no. I imagine the passion was all on the lady's side. She went off to Egypt that winter and died of some obscure form of blood poisoning. Fairly common in Egypt, though not here. So the doctor couldn't have poisoned her? A bacteriologist friend of mine thought it could have been introduced into the bloodstream shortly before leaving for Egypt.
3: Was Mrs. Craddock inoculated for typhoid before going away? Oh, good for you, Poirot. And it was the good doctor who did the inoculation? Just so.
2: But we can't prove
3: anything. But
2: how the devil could try it
3: on? I've got to hear of it. He was in Egypt for a time. Mrs Lorimer said she met him there.
6: Did you
5: find anything out about her?
6: I've drawn a complete blank with Mrs Lorimer. She seems to have led a perfectly respectable life. And the Meredith girl? I can't find anything there either. I went down to Wallingford to the cottage she shares with a girl called Rhoda Dawes. As a matter of fact... I've got I... Miss Meredith's story taped out quite clearly. A usual sort of thing. The army officer's daughter, left with very little money. She has to earn her living as best she can as a companion to various ladies. So she's acquitted? Uh, It would seem so. And and yet I have a feeling there must be something. She's too watchful, uh, too much on the alert.
5: There is something. Anne Meredith was in a house where a woman took poison by mistake and died. How the devil did you find that out? Well, I happened to have been doing a little bit of sleuthing of my own. I, too, went down to Wendon Cottage. I told Anne Meredith and Miss Dawes some cock-and-bull story about suspecting Dr. Roberts. The Rhoda girl was friendly enough. I think she was impressed by meeting a famous writer. But the little Meredith hated my coming there and made no secret of it. And then Major Despard showed up, and I decided it was time for me to leave. Despard! What was he after? I believe he came to try and persuade Miss Meredith to see his solicitor.
2: Quite a sly, Doctor Major. She's a very pretty girl, of course. But how did
6: you come to hear that she had been in
5: a house where there was a suspect? I asked both the girls to come and see me in London if they had anything to tell me. There wasn't much hope of the Meredith girl, but Rhoda Dawes did come and call on me. She was embarrassed at the way her friend had behaved
9: and wanted to explain. I know Anne must have seemed very ungracious, but you see, it was something you said. Something I said? I don't expect you remember even. It was just the way you put it. You said something about an accident and poison. Did I? I knew you probably not remember. You see, Anne had a ghastly experience once. She was in a house where a woman took poison. Straw hat paint, I think it was by mistake for something else and she died and of course it was an awful shock to anne she can't bear thinking about it oh you won't let on i've told you she wouldn't like it i wouldn't dream of doing such a thing was this long ago about four years at a place called coomaker in devon mrs benson was the woman's name
6: well i take my hat off to you mrs oliver (laughs) you've put one over on me this time yes she's sly that girl she deceived me, all right, lying so craftily. Lying is not always a sign of guilt. Oh, I realise that. She may have just been saying the thing that sounded best. But all the same, it's a pretty grave risk to take, suppressing a fact like that. Oh, she wouldn't
2: know you had any idea of crimes that she had committed in the past. But all the more reason for not concealing that little piece of information. What happened at Coomaker must have been
6: accepted at the time as a bona fide case of accidental death. So she'd have nothing to fear, unless she was guilty.
3: And are you certain, madame, that she
5: knew nothing of her friend Rotterdor's coming to see you? Quite certain. Miss Meredith had better things to occupy her mind. Major Despard had taken her off to see his solicitor.
2: <laughs> he certainly doesn't let the grass grow under his feet. Which
6: reminds me, I think I've got a little job for Monsieur Poirot. Oh, what is that? I want you to have a word with Professor Luxmore's widow. Oh, and why do you not wish to do that yourself? Because I'm going down to Devon to look into this business of the death of Mrs Benson and find out what part Miss Meredith played in it. And because I think that you'd get more out of Mrs Luxmore than I would. Chief Inspector Japp always says you have a very tortuous mind.
10: But why can you possibly want to know about my husband's death?
3: What has it got to do with you? There is a book being written about the exploration of the Amazon which touches upon the expedition on which your husband so unfortunately died. But why do they not come to me? Ah, madame, you must understand that the writer is at this stage only assembling the facts to make sure that they are exact. The official account, for example, states that your husband died of fever. I know he did. I was there at the time. Oh, yes, you were there. The information I have been given confirms that. What information? Who gave it to you? The late Mr. Shaitana. Shaitana? A man who knew many secrets. He may well have done. He knew, for instance, that your husband did not die of fever. I don't know what you mean. I will place my cards upon the table, madame. Professor Laxmore did not die of fever. He died of a bullet. (gasps) And therefore... You may as well tell me the whole story. It wasn't, in the least, the way you think. I know very well that it was not you who shot him, but you were the cause.
10: Oh, it was all too terrible. There is a sort of fatality that pursues me.
3: Ah, how true that is. There is no armour against fate, as the saying goes.
10: Everything seemed to happen so naturally, you see. We were travelling up the Amazon
3: into the interior. Yes, I can picture it. The winding river, the tropical night, the strong soldierly man, the beautiful woman.
10: Neither of us would admit what was happening. We were Major Despard and Mrs Luxmore to each other right up to the end. We were determined to play the game. Ah,
3: true, one must play the cricket. As one of your poets so finely puts it, I could not love thee dear so much... Loved I not cricket more? Honour. Oh, honour, of course. Then came that
10: ghastly night. Timothy, my husband, and Major Despard quarrelling about me. I shouted that it wasn't true. Johnny had never... But Timothy wouldn't listen. He was threatening Johnny with a gun, and Johnny had to shoot in self-defence. Timothy fell dead. Stone dead. Johnny was all for giving himself up, but I wouldn't hear of it. For my sake, I kept on saying, and in the end he gave in. We buried poor Timothy beside the Amazon and then back to civilization, To part forever.
3: Is that what she told you? She's crazy, of course. Not at all. A little romantic, perhaps. Oh,
8: she's an appalling woman. I had the hell of a time with her... I can well believe it. Monsieur Poirot, I'm going to tell you the truth of what happened. Whether you believe me or not is up to you. I have no proof of what I'm going to say. Please proceed, Major. The whole trip was one long nightmare. I didn't give a damn for the woman. She was the intense, soulful kind that always makes me feel prickly with embarrassment. We just about got through the first two weeks, and then we all had a go of fever. She and I had it only very slightly, but old Luxmore was pretty bad. One night I was sitting outside my tent and I suddenly saw Luxmore in the distance, staggering off towards the river. He was absolutely delirious and had no idea what he was doing. At that particular spot of the Amazon, he wouldn't have lasted a minute. The only thing I could think of doing was to snatch up my rifle and bring the old boy down by shooting him in the leg. I'm a pretty accurate shot. But just as I fired, that damned fool woman flung herself at me, screaming, Don't shoot! She jerked my arm and the bullet got him in the back of the head. She thought, perhaps, that you were trying to kill the professor for love of her. That's exactly what she did think. It gave me a bit of a shock, I can tell you. In the end, I agreed to do what she wanted and told the bearers that he had died of fever and
3: that we had buried him. I don't know whether they believed me. It was to that incident that Mr. Shaitana referred, or so you thought, at dinner that night. He probably heard it from Mrs. Luxmore. She wouldn't have needed much encouragement. But it would have been a dangerous story, as far as you were concerned, in the hands of someone like Shaitana.
8: I wasn't afraid of Shaitana. I suppose the story gives me a kind of motive for killing him, but I didn't do it. As far as I'm concerned,
3: he could have told anybody he pleased. So that's the truth of it. You can take it or leave it. I took it, and I returned home to await the arrival of Miss Meredith and her friend. I had sent them an invitation, asking if they would do me the honour of paying me a visit. By way of preparation, I had made a little purchase. Nineteen pairs of silk stockings. A little piece of sugar for the bird, as the old song goes.
0: You want me to tell you what I remember of the things in the room?
3: But yes, mademoiselle. The chairs, the tables, the ornaments, you saw them all. Can you not describe them?
0: I I don't really think I can remember very much. Uh, There were rugs on the floor. Uh, There was a piano.
3: But you're not trying. You must remember some object, some piece of bric-a-brac.
0: Well, there was a case of Egyptian jewellery over by the window.
3: Oh, yes, at the other end of the room from the table on which the dagger was lying.
0: I never heard which table it was on. Some of the jewellery was lovely blues and reds, enamels. Mr Shaitana must have been a great collector. Oh, yes. The room was full of stuff. One couldn't begin to look at it all.
3: So you cannot mention anything else that caught your eye? Um,
0: only a vase of chrysanthemums that badly wanted their water changed.
3: Ah, yes. The servants are not always too punctilious about that.
0: I obviously didn't see whatever it was you wanted me to notice.
3: Ah, oh, uh, it does not matter. I'll... Tell me, have you met uh, the good Major Despard lately?
0: He said he would come to see
9: us again quite soon. He didn't do it anyway. Anne and I are quite sure of that. How fortunate
3: to have convinced two such charming young ladies of his innocence.
0: I've seen Mrs Lorimer as well. I ran into her when I was in London the other day. She was very sweet and invited me out to tea.
3: Evidently, this murder is serving to bring you all together. (laughs) Uh, But, Mademoiselle, I wonder if I could ask you to do me a great favour... Nothing at all to do with the murder. Of course. I have to buy presents for my nieces and grandnieces. It is so difficult, their birthdays all falling at the same time. Tell me, are silk stockings a welcome present to receive?
0: Oh, yes. It's always nice to be given stockings.
3: Ah, Then will you help me? On the table over there are about uh, 15 or 16 pairs. Would you be so amiable as to look through them? and to set aside half a dozen pairs that seem to you to be the most desirable as far as color is concerned? Certainly. And while you are doing that, I have a little treat for your friend. I understand from Mrs. Oliver that you are quite a connoisseur of crime. (laughs) Well, I love a good detective story. Then come into the other room. It is a little treat for you. Though it would hardly be a treat for your friend. Why is that? It is the knife with which twelve people stabbed a man to death in a wagon lee of the Orient Express. Oh, how
0: fascinating.
3: When we returned a few minutes later, Anne Meredith had selected the stockings.
0: These are good evening shades, and the lighter colours would be ideal for summer.
3: After they had left, I examined the stockings. I had bought nineteen pairs.
6: Now there were only 17. I thought I'd come round straight away. I'll lay you anything you like that the Meredith girl did it. You mean that she poisoned her employer? This is how it was. The woman she was working for down at Coomaker, Mrs Benson, was in the habit of taking a dose of syrup of figs every night. The bottle was kept in the bathroom. At the same time, Miss Meredith was brightening up an old gardening straw hat for her with some hat paint. But the hat-paint bottle got cracked somehow or other, and since there was quite a lot of it left, Mrs Benson told her to put it in an old syrup of figs bottle that was lying around. It was not relabelled. relabeled? No. <laughs> Nobody seems to have bothered. Somehow the bottles got mixed up, and the one with the paint in it was put on a shelf in the bathroom. Mrs Benson took a swig of it before she realised what it was. Well, she sent for a doctor. But there was some sort of delay, and she was dead by the time he arrived. She herself believed it to be an accident? Oh, yes, yes, everyone thought so. But you are certain it was deliberate? As sure as I can be. But where's the motive? The Meredith girl didn't get anything from her employer's death. Why should she want to kill her? Hmm. I think I can help you there, my friend. Uh-huh. Miss Meredith
3: and Miss Dawes called on me here this afternoon at my invitation... I went through my usual routine of asking her to describe the contents of Mr. Shaitana's room. She cleverly avoided admitting that she knew where the dagger was. But she could not help revealing certain things about herself. She has the mind of a paid companion, and she loves and notices jewellery. She has, I believe, the temperament of a thief, not a murderer. Do you remember what you told me about her first employer, Mrs Eldon? That she was scatty and absent-minded? I began to form an hypothesis. Supposing that Anne Meredith is a girl with a weak streak in her character, the kind of girl who helps herself to little things from her employer. This afternoon, I set her a little trap. How's that? I asked her to help me choose half a dozen pairs of silk stockings from a number I had bought. I went out of the room, leaving her alone, and the result is that instead of 19 pairs of stockings, I now have 17. What's that got to do with the death of Mrs Benson? She was, I imagine, rather a different type of woman to Mrs Eldon. Supposing that Miss Meredith had committed a petty theft and that Mrs Benson had found out. She was faced with disgrace. Only one thing could save her.
6: Her employer must die. But even if your hypothesis is correct, it doesn't help us with the murder of Shaitana. It's a completely different kind of crime. Oh, excuse me. Yes,
3: Poirot speaking. Yes, madame. Of course, immediately. Mm. Au revoir, madame. That was Mrs. Lorimer. She wants me to come and see her. Now.
7: It's very good of you to come so promptly, Monsieur Poirot. You're a busy man, I know. At your service, madame. Now, you said, when you were last here, that you would come if I sent for you. You had an idea, I think, of the reason that might prompt me to send.
3: I wonder, that is all. I hear that you and Mademoiselle Meredith had tea together the other day. We did. Have you seen her lately? She and her friend were so amiable to pay me a visit this afternoon. Mm,
7: A friend I've never met. Uh, Have you seen Superintendent Battle lately?
3: He was with me when you telephoned.
7: He's paid me quite a lot of attention. What about you, Monsieur Poirot? Have you been making inquiries? About you, madame? That is what I meant.
3: Oh, it would have been of no avail. I realised from the beginning that of the four persons playing cards that night, the one with the best brain and the coolest, most logical mind was you. If I had to lay money on which of the four could plan a murder and get away with it successfully, it would be you. Am I expected to feel flattered? But the crime which killed Mr. Shaitana was a crime committed on the spur of the moment. If you had killed Mr. Shaitana, it would have been premeditated prudent every detail worked out in advance
7: and yet monsieur poirot i did kill mr shaitana
3: and why did you kill him Madame? i think you know the answer to that because he knew something about another death that happened long ago oh yes he knew i'd suspected it once before
7: but that night i was sure And I had no doubt that he intended to reveal what he knew to the superintendent or to yourself.
3: How soon did you make up your mind to act, madame?
7: I'd noticed the dagger before going into dinner. And when we returned to the drawing room, I slipped it into my sleeve. No one saw me do it, I'm sure of that.
3: Mm, it would be dexterously done, I have no doubt.
7: We started to play, and I waited for my opportunity. And then when I was dummy, I strolled across to the fireplace. Mr Shaitana was sleeping in his chair. I leant over and
3: did it. He did not cry out at all? He
7: made a little grunt. That was why I spoke to him and pretended to you
3: that he'd answered me. Mm. Ah! It seems to me that there must be some factor that I have missed. You ran an enormous risk, successfully. And then, not two weeks later, you decide to tell me what you have done. That does not seem to me to ring true.
7: Yes, there is something you don't know. Did Miss Meredith tell you where she encountered me the other day?
3: She did not. In fact, she barely mentioned it at all.
7: It was in Harley Street. I'd been to a specialist there. He told me something I'd long ago suspected... I shall not play many more games of bridge.
6: Oh,
3: yes. I begin to understand.
7: And then, when I was having tea with Miss Meredith, I realised that by my action, i had not merely deprived Mr Shaitana of life. i had also affected unfavourably the lives of three other people, and that at least I could undo. I wasn't particularly moved by the plight of Dr Roberts or, or Major Despard, but... When I looked at Anne Meredith, she was only a girl. This miserable business might ruin her life. I realised I wasn't going to be able to keep silent.
3: Madame, I do not believe you. Hercule Poirot cannot be so far wrong. You cannot have killed Chaitana in the way you say you did. Either the killing was prepared beforehand... Or you did not kill him at all. I really believe you are mad, Mr. Poirot. You you did not kill him. I see everything. Harley Street and the little Meredith girls sitting in the cafe looking so forlorn. But one thing I do not see. Why are you so certain... That Anne Meredith did it. Now,
7: really, Monsieur Poirot, I can...
3: It is a very noble action that you perform to take the blame on yourself and let the child escape.
7: You forget that I am not an innocent woman. Years ago, I killed my husband.
3: Mm. You are willing to suffer for the act you committed. Murder is murder. It does not matter who the victim is. But I ask you once again... How can you be so certain that it was Miss Meredith who killed Shaitana? Because I saw her. Ha! Huh. Oh. Oh. oh! Oh! forgive me, madam, I could not help it. We ask questions, we invoke the psychology, and all the time there is an eyewitness to the crime... Ha ah. Tell me, how did it happen? It was
7: fairly late in the evening, and Meredith was dummy. She got up and looked over her partner's hand and then moved over to the fireplace. She bent over Mr. Shaitana and then straightened herself. Her hand had been actually on his breast, and I saw guilt and fear on her face. And I knew.
3: But she did not know that you had seen her. Oh, poor child.
7: Young, frightened, a way to make in the world. Do you wonder that I held my tongue?
3: Oh, yes, I can see that she seemed a worthy object of compassion. But shall I tell you why she killed Shaitana? It was because he knew that she had previously killed an elderly lady to whom she was companion because that lady had found her out in a petty theft. But is that true, Monsieur Poirot? Oh, I have no doubt of it. She is dangerous. Where her own safety is concerned, she will strike out wildly. And these two crimes will not be the end. What you say is horrible, Monsieur Poirot. Hmm. I must take my leave, madame but reflect on what I have said.
7: If it suits me, I shall deny this whole conversation. You have no witness, remember. What I told you I saw on that fatal evening is not to be divulged. It is strictly between ourselves.
6: What the devil did you say to Mrs. Lorimer yesterday? Why? What has happened? Suicide.
3: Huh? Mrs. Lorimer has committed suicide? There is no possibility of an accident? Not
6: a chance. It's all cut and dried. She wrote to the three of them, Despard, Roberts and Miss Meredith, saying that she was taking a shortcut out of all the mess, that it was she who killed Shaitana, and that she apologised for the distress they had suffered.
3: Oh, it was in error.
6: You mean you made a mistake?
3: Tell me exactly what occurred.
6: Roberts opened his letter just before 8 o'clock this morning. He dashed off at once in his car, telling his maid to tell us what had happened. He got to the house to find that Mrs Lorimer hadn't yet been called. He rushed up to her bedroom, but it was too late. What had she taken? Verinol, I think. Uh, There was a bottle of tablets by the bed.
3: And the other two, did they not try to communicate with you?
6: Despard's out of town somewhere. I can't get hold of him.
3: And Miss Meredith?
6: I rang her up. She'd only just opened her post. It comes later there.
3: What was her reaction?
6: Shocked and grieved, but uh, obviously relieved. Where are you now? Uh, At Mrs. Lorimer's house.
3: I will
1: come straight away.
6: I'll ask Dr. Roberts to hang on till you get here.
1: Thank you. Nasty business, this, Monsieur Poirot. I never would have thought for a minute that it was Mrs. Lorimer. Just can't imagine her doing a thing like that. It must take a weight off your mind. Oh, it does, undoubtedly. I would be a hypocrite if I didn't admit it. It's not very pleasant to have the suspicion of a murder hanging over you. And as for the poor woman herself, it was probably the best way out. I imagine you will be wanting to get back to your surgery, Doctor. If there are no more questions, I really
3: must. No, no more questions. But uh, I would like to have a word with the parlourmaid, if I may.
10: I shall never forget this morning, not as long as I live. That gentleman ringing and ringing the bell. Where's your mistress, he says, and I could hardly answer him. You see, we never go up to the mistress till she rings. That's her orders. But he runs straight up the stairs and into her room, not so much as knocking. He takes one look at her. Too late, he says. He sent me off for brandy and water while he did his best to bring her back, but couldn't be done.
3: Now, last night, did you notice anything unusual about your mistress? Did she seem upset or worried at all?
10: No, I, I don't think so. I mean, she was tired. Perhaps the young lady coming after you left was a bit too much for her.
3: The young lady? What young lady?
10: Um, Miss Meredith? Yeah, she, she came here just after you'd
3: gone. Did she stay long? About an hour, sir. And afterwards? Well, the mistress went straight to bed. Do you know whether she wrote any letters
10: yesterday evening? What, you mean after she went to bed? Mm. I don't think so. There there were some letters on the hall table she'd written earlier in the day, but Cook took them to the post. How many were there? Two, I think. One to a solicitor and the other to Fortnum and Mason's. I'm sure she didn't write any more after that.
3: I climbed up the stairs and went into Mrs Lorrimer's room and looked at her grey, dead face. Had she gone to her grave in a last determined effort to save a young girl from disgrace and death? But on her arm there was a dark, discoloured
6: bruise. Well, I can't say I'm sorry it turned out the way it did. She was a real lady. I wouldn't have liked to see her stand trial. Don't know what her reason was for killing Shaitana, but she may well have been justified. Anyway, it's all over now. Oh, no, my friend, it is far from over. What do you
3: mean by that? Those letters, I do not believe they were written before my visit, and according to the Parliament, they were not written after Miss Meredith left. It is my belief that Mrs Lorimer did not write them at all. Oh, excuse me.
6: Superintendent Battle? Really? How long ago? Thank you, Sergeant. Ah, That was Sergeant O'Brien ringing from Despard's flat. Apparently he's on his way to Wallingford. And we too must go to Wallingford. I am not easy in my mind. That young lady is very dangerous. I'd arranged to go down there anyway, before all this Lorimer business happened. Miss Meredith will be expecting us. Then let us waste no time. Quickly,
2: I beg of you.
0: Why can he possibly want to see me now? Mrs Lorimer confessed to the murder. Surely that's the end of it. Perhaps he's more interested in what happened in the past. What do you mean by that?
9: Didn't Mrs Oliver say that Shyatana made some nasty suggestions about murders that were made to look like accidents? But that's got nothing to do with me. I know that, but the superintendent doesn't. I just wish you'd told him about that business down at Coomaker. Why should I? It wasn't my fault. It might look as though you've been keeping something back.
0: Well, I can hardly tell him about
9: it now. You see, if it were all to come out, somehow or other, it might look
0: rather bad. How can it possibly come out? It was miles away in Devon. The superintendent isn't likely to come up against anyone from there. Nobody knows but you. I suppose that's true. Oh, come on. There's no point in sitting here brooding about it. It's a lovely day and the superintendent won't be here for ages. Let's go out on the river.
3: The drive to Wallingford seemed to take an eternity. What are you afraid of, Poirot? What harm can the girl do now? When we reached Wendon Cottage, there was a constable outside the door, and in the kitchen, wrapped up in heavy blankets and sipping a glass of grog, was Major Despard. I got to them just in time. You see... I thought I'd drop in
8: here and give the girls a surprise. But the maid said they'd gone out on the river. They'd taken a punt. Rhoda was standing up doing the work and Anne was lying there and laughing up at
0: her. (laughs) You're quite sweet on the gallant major, aren't you, Rhoda? (laughs) I must admit, he's rather attractive.
8: And then, quite calmly... Anne seized hold of Rhoda's ankle.
0: Well, you're not going to get him! And
8: toppled her into the water. <coughs> the boat went over, and both the girls were in the river. <coughs> and neither of them could swim. Help! Help! I managed to get Rhoda to the riverbank, and I turned back to get Anne, but she'd got tangled up in the weeds. By the time I managed to get her to the surface, it was too late.
3: Perhaps it is just as well. And how is Miss Dawes? A bit shaken, but she's all right. She's up in her room.
9: You mean she meant to drown me? It was deliberate.
3: Quite deliberate, mademoiselle.
9: It's horrible. I can't believe it.
3: Nevertheless, mademoiselle, it is all too true. Now, if you are fully recovered, perhaps you would care to come back to London with us. I have arranged... A little gathering at my apartment at which everything will be explained. And since you are something of a converseur of crime, I believe that you would wish to be present.
9: I certainly would. But can Major Despard come as well? Of course,
3: Mademoiselle. Without him, our party would not be complete.
5: come in we've been helping ourselves to your sherry monsieur Poirot as soon as I got your message I rang up the colonel and we came round here
2: I wasn't going to turn down the chance to be in at the kill so to
1: speak and I decided to let my patients look after themselves for once I couldn't wait to hear the explanation of it all
3: eh bien the case is ended the murderer of Mr. Chaitana is found at last
1: so Mrs. Oliver told me I can hardly believe it. That
6: pretty little thing. Most unbelievable
1: murderess.
6: She was a murderess, all right. Three killings to her credit, and not her fault that she didn't get away with a fourth one.
9: Three
5: killings?
6: Her employer down in Devon, Mr Shaitana, and Mrs Lorimer as well, by the looks of it.
5: Incredible. Not at all. Least likely person. It seems to work out in real life just the same as it does in books. So those letters of Mrs Lorimer's were
1: forged, then? Oh, yes. They would not deceive an expert, but it was
3: highly unlikely that an expert would be called in. All the evidence pointed to Mrs Lorimer having committed suicide. And what made you suspect that she had not? A little conversation that I had with Mrs Lorimer's parlourmaid.
1: Uh, She told you of Miss Meredith's visit the previous evening?
3: That, among other things. But then, you see, I had already come to the conclusion in my own mind as to the identity of the guilty person that is, the person who killed Mr. Chaitana. And that person was not Mrs. Lorimer. But what made you suspect Miss Meredith? A little minute, Mon Colonel. Let me approach the matter in my own way. Let me, that is to say, eliminate the other possibilities. The murderer of Chaitana was not Mrs. Lorimer. Nor was it you, Major Despard. And curiously enough... It was not Anne Meredith. You see, Dr Roberts, you were the person who killed Mr Chaitana and you also killed Mrs Lorimer.
1: Uh, you, you really must have gone out of your mind, Monsieur Poirot. I certainly did not kill Shaitana, and I could not possibly have murdered Mrs Lorimer. My dear Battle, are you standing for this? Oh, I think we better listen to what Monsieur Poirot's got to say.
3: Though it is true that I have known for some time that you, and only you, could have killed Mr. Chaitana, I realize that it would not be an easy matter to prove it. But Mrs. Lorimer's case is quite different. It is not a case of my knowing. It is much simpler than that. For we have an eyewitness. But that's not possible. Oh, yes. It was early in the morning... You had bluffed your way into Mrs Lorimer's room when she was still heavily asleep under the drug she had taken the night before. You bluff again, pretend to see at a glance that she is dead. You push the parlourmaid off to get brandy and all the rest of it, and then what happens? A window cleaner arrived at the same time you did, and the first window at which he set his ladder was that of Mrs Lorimer's room.
1: You're bluffing.
3: Am I? Then he shall tell his own story. Come in, Stevens. Yes, sir. Is there anyone you recognise in this room? Him, the doctor. Tell us where you saw him last and what he was
4: doing. I saw him this morning, eight o'clock it was. I was cleaning the windows at Mrs Lorimer's house. She was still in bed and looked rather ill, I thought. He shoved her sleeve up and jabbed something into her arm, just about... Here. She just dropped back on the pillar. I thought I'd better hop onto another window, so I did. Thank you, Stevens. You may go. Thank you, sir. It was
1: a simple restorative. A last hope of bringing her round. A simple
3: restorative. n methyl cyclohexanyl known more simply as Evipan. Injected intravenously in large doses after veronal or any barbiturates, it can be fatal, as it was. I noticed the bruise on her arm. The police surgeon called in no less a person than Sir Charles Imfrey, the Home Office analyst.
6: That just about cooks your goose, I think, Doctor. No need to prove the Shaitana business, and if necessary, we can bring a further charge. The murder of Charles Craddock,
1: and possibly of Mrs Craddock as well. I throw in my hand... I suppose that devil had put you wise before you came that evening. And I thought I'd settle his hash completely.
6: If you'd care to come with me, Doctor. There's a van waiting outside.
5: I always said he did it.
2: So now I trust you're going to tell us how the devil you worked it all out? I have to admit, it's totally beyond me.
3: Never in my life have I encountered a case like this. It stood to reason that one of the four of them must have committed the murder. But how was I going to find out which? There were no tangible clues, no fingerprints, no incriminating papers or documents. There were only the people themselves. And, bien sûr... (laughs) the little grey says.
5: But you did find at least one tangible clue.
3: Quite right. The bridge scores. They told me something about the people who had kept them, and they did more. They gave me one invaluable hint. I noticed at once, in the third rubber, the figure of 1,500 above the line. That figure could only represent one thing.
2: A call of grand slam. Exactly.
3: Now... If a person were reckoning on committing a crime under these somewhat unusual circumstances, it could only be done when the attentions of the other three players would be wholly on the game. A bit of grand slam is always exciting. Every one of the three players is playing with close attention. The declarer to get his contract, the adversaries to discard correctly and get him down. They are not likely to look away from the table. So you reckon that the murder must have been committed during that particular hand? Precisely. And I soon discovered that the dummy during that hand had been Dr. Roberts. Mrs. Lorimer had a marvellous card memory, and from her I gained an invaluable piece of information. The Grand Slam was bid by Dr. Roberts quite unjustifiably, and he bid it in her suit, not his own, so that she necessarily... Played the hand. It was clear to me that the killer of Mr. Shaitana must have been Dr. Roberts.
9: But I thought you said in the car on the way over here that Mrs. Lorimer had told you she'd seen Anne kill Shaitana.
3: Yes, she did. And for a moment that confused me greatly. But then the little grey cells reasserted themselves, and I saw how I could still be right and Mrs. Lorimer have spoken the truth. What happened was this. Miss Meredith goes over to the fireplace and sees that Mr. Shaitana is dead. She stoops over him. Perhaps she stretches out her hand to the gleaming head of the jeweled stiletto. Her lips part to call out, but she does not cry out. She remembers what Shaitana has said at dinner and that she, Anne Meredith, has a motive for desiring his death. She does not tell anyone. Trembling with fear and apprehension, she goes back to her
2: seat. But
3: why the devil did Roberts have to kill Mrs Lorimer? She can't have been a threat to him, surely. He was uneasy. He foresaw that the police would go on searching... until perhaps they came on traces of his former crimes. He hit upon the brilliant idea of making Mrs Lorimer the scapegoat for the party. His practised eye guessed, no doubt that she was terminally ill. How natural in those circumstances to choose a quick way out and before taking it, confess to the crime. But once again, and for the last time, he overbid his hand.
9: It was amazing luck that the window cleaner happened to be there just at that moment.
3: Luck? Oh, that was not luck, mademoiselle. That was the little grey cells of Hercule Poirot. There was no window cleaner. The part was taken by my good friend, Mr Gerald Hemingway, a very promising young actor. All I wished to do was to provoke Dr Roberts into admitting that he had committed the crime.
2: The end justifies the means. But I don't think that the old Bailey had better hear of your little piece of trickery. (laughs) It's only the most illuminating demonstration of your skills, my dear Poirot. But now, I must take my leave. So, where
5: are you off to now?
2: Ah, that, my dear lady, I'm not in a position to disclose. Let us just say a little shooting trip.
8: I only wish I could join you, Colonel.
3: If you are going where I think you are going, you will have to be very careful,
2: mon ami. No, I shall keep my eyes open. I'm quite an old hand at this kind of game. Uh, Good night, everyone. Good 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 night, Colonel.
3: So, that leaves the four of us. I have instructed Georges to prepare for us a little dinner, and then I think we should round off the evening in an appropriate manner.
5: And what manner would that be, Monsieur Poirot? A few
3: rubbers of bridge. I really am beginning to feel quite an affection for the game. <laughs>